Our guest this morning is Keith Witkowski, Redmond City Manager. Our longtime listeners know you well, but a little background for our new listeners. You're a graduate of the University of Denver, and you began your career in 1993 working for Portland Mayor Vera Katz, great mayor. You came to Redmond in July of 2013, and you oversee, among other things, Redmond's police department and airports. So welcome back to The Point, Keith, and thank you for your time this morning. Sure. Thank you. Keith, a lot going on in Redmond right now. Where to start? Let's start slow. At the city council meeting on November 2nd, it was decided to move forward with an audit to look at the possibility of installing more than a 1,000 LED streetlights in the city. Why? Well, um, LED lights have proven to be much more energy efficient. It's what uh, bright people put in their homes now, replacing the, I believe they're called incandescent bulbs, maybe. But yeah, so using LEDs is smarter investment over the long term. So basically what we're doing is um, there's companies out there that help cities look at what the long-term savings are by moving to more energy-efficient technologies. And so we're taking a look at LEDs for the, I think you mentioned, the 1,100-plus streetlights that are out there. Well, what will be the cost of the project? Well, the audit's around $25,000, and then after that we'll get a better sense of what it would cost to actually make the conversion. And how do we plan on funding it? Out of our transportation budget. <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to write a personal check. I wasn't sure. Yeah, there's going to be a big bake sale next week. At that same time, at that same city council meeting, the councillors were given an update on the proposed regional training and emergency coordination center. Update us. What and where is the facility and how will that project be funded? So this is a project that began discussions probably six or seven years ago, and it involves many, many regional players, all facets of law enforcement and first responders, Central Oregon Community College. Right now, it's being led by the Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council, who's taking a look at what are the land use requirements to basically build a a campus of more than 100 acres that would eventually turn into a multifaceted compound for training of all kinds, whether it's law enforcement or fire, and serve as a hub for deploying and dispatching responses to emergencies that occur throughout Central and Eastern Oregon. Right now, the only place to be able to do some of that kind of training is over in Salem. And we all know eventually there's going to be an earthquake that hits and getting to Salem is not going to be practical. So cost-wise, probably upwards of $150 million. So there's going to need to be a lot of federal and state money coming into it. But looking at the long the long-term picture on this, people see the importance of it. The governor sees the importance of it. So at this point, if I'm hearing you correctly, we don't have a location designated for that? that there's Well, there's general locations that are uh, north of the airport, north of the Redmond Air Center right now, so adjacent to Highway 126, and that's kind of what we're looking at right now. Any idea of timing on when this facility might actually come to fruition? Let's see. If come to fruition means, you know, opening... Uh-huh. Um, we're looking at more than five years. It's a, okay. it's a big, big lift. Okay. Wastewater treatment, not exactly a top-of-mind subject for most of us unless it isn't working. However, a crucial piece of our inf- infrastructure. So talk to us about the current wastewater treatment complex and the proposed Redmond Wetlands Complex. This is pretty neat. Yeah, this one's really exciting. At the council meeting last night, when they all had a joint meeting with Deschutes County, it was discussed as well, where basically our facility that is at the north end of Dry Canyon is nearing capacity. And what we want to do is expand it, but we want to expand it on some um, on land that we control 
that is outside of the city limits to the northeast. And the idea is to build a lagoon system. So instead of using chemicals and machinery to break down the waste, we'd be able to use uh, natural processes. And what we will be able to do is the name, the wetlands complex is accurate in that it's going to turn into an amenity for trails, for wildlife viewing. If you've been to the one in Prineville, it's not a big, smelly operation. Um, like ours is. No smell. Yeah, right? I mean, it is right now. It stinks, particularly when the wind's blowing. And uh, so basically, it's going to be this natural environment where all the breakdown is done naturally. So again, this one, this is probably going to be a 50 to $60 million project. We want to have it open and operating by 2025. And one of the exciting things is uh, there was a discussion last night of looking at hooking Terrabon up to it because Terrabon is limited because they are all on septic and septic fields. And that's a huge problem for the commercial growth of Terrabon, but as well as residential right now also because some of their septic systems are failing. So we're going to be able to provide a solution to a community to the north. And it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting project. And it's going to give us the ability to then think about what we want to do with the property at the north end of the Dry Canyon Trail. I'm curious, uh, Eagle Crest is all on septic. Would we then be hooked up to that as well? We don't care at all about Eagle Crest. They oh, thank you. They're <laughs> on the vine. Uh, actually, I learned something about Eagle Crest last night. Where there was... There was a discussion about doing this with Eagle Crest, you know, decades ago, but Eagle Crest has a different system and they're not going to be hooking into this at all. What about the new resort, Thornburg? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thornburg's its own entity as well. Nice way to put it. Another topic that is top of mind is our police department. The current police department facility was built in 1998 and is considered technologically and functionally obsolete. For example, there are only 16 dedicated parking spaces, yet the department has 45 vehicles. Officers are actually processing evidence, i.e. drugs, in the lunchroom area. Here, have a little meth with that peanut butter and jelly. Talk to us about the new proposed facility and how that will be funded. Yeah, this is an exciting one. So we've the city council directed us, we purchased some land that's... Uh, just north and uh, east of Highway 97 to the north end of the city. Uh, so we've got four, five, six, seven, eight acres. Uh, we want to build a new police station and have it open also in that 2025 time range. And we're going to, this issue is going to be on the ballot next May. Um, right now, you know, based upon the numbers we know in terms of cost, it would, the cost to the average taxpayer in Redmond would probably be somewhere between 130 or $140 a year. We had polling done in July of, the, of 2021, and the level of support for the ballot measure was over 80%. And they were even asked, do you want to pay for this through a ballot measure and, and add it to your property tax bill, or do you want the city to pay for it out of the general fund? And a, a, wide, a vast majority said, no, we'll, we'll pay for this on the ballot measure. So we're looking at putting on the ballot, and what we're looking at is building facility is 35 to 40,000 square feet that serves the department we have right now, which with recent additions are up to 50 officers, 50 sworn officers. And as you said, there'll be actual secure parking for them. There'll be adequate evidence storage and an evidence room and all the other typical amenities that go into a police station that's been built somewhere in the last decade. Given the amount of land we bought, current property, 
current police station sits on about an acre, right? And I talked about us having five, six, seven acres. So this will last, you know, whatever forever means. The facility we're going to build is going to last probably 20 to 30 years, but we can expand on site. So we won't need to rebuild again unless some natural disaster occurs. This facility will also house the fire department and a mental health facility, correct? Actually, that's not correct. Okay, um, good. Yeah, hey, correct it's me. good to get that out there because we actually, we don't oversee fire. That's a separate district. Um, we were going to put a mental health triage center in there. So you're not incorrect in terms of that question, but the county recently bought land near St. Charles to build a North County campus where they're going to have the mental health component, but our police station will only be, you know, minutes, like less than five minutes away from that facility, which is going to be important. It's just the nature of policing changes when you're talking about how do you help somebody in mental distress versus an actual crime being committed. What efforts are being made by the city to address the homeless issue? So with homelessness, um, yeah, I mean, council uh, prioritized the police station. They made an investment in the senior center. They've asked the county to step up and address some of the requests for homeless resources. Um, you know, what the city's doing, uh, and I was part of a forum yesterday and then one last week where we're doing what we can to help mobilize folks that are involved in bringing social services and the necessary services to Redmond. So there's one project called Oasis Village, which is the concept of building they're not even tiny homes, but let's just call them tiny homes um, on a, you know, 150 feet by 150 foot type of uh, land area to give people that currently don't have homes a, a place to start out again. This is a concept that's it's being used statewide. It's being used in Washington. And right now the county's offered up property north of the airport. So we're um, we've got our city engineer. We've got some of our land use planners working with the county, working with the homeless advocates, working with uh, Jeff Harris from Hayden Homes, who's the uh, Hayden Homes is, is really doing a ton to advance providing services for homeless to figure out how we can get some infrastructure up there to create this village, right, that gives folks a, um, a safe place to sleep and to be as they search for jobs and or in some cases they have jobs, but the cost of housing is outside of their reach. That's one thing. The other thing we're doing that council did is they put in place something called a safe parking initiative that's also being used in different cities across the state. Simplest way to say it is it gives a group such as churches uh, the ability to use their parking lot to house maybe two to three to four RVs and allow people to live there for a certain period of time as they try and get themselves back on track. And again, I was over at a church in Redmond yesterday and they're housing a couple people and these are folks that don't feel safe living out off 17th street which uh is no great surprise it's it's not a safe environment and so they can live in their rv in the parking lot and work to piece things back together not worry about uh having their stuff stolen or their lives threatened you know when uh when they're just trying to live and get by any clue as to when oasis village might actually come to fruition you know, from the conversations we had uh, last week with uh, with the advocates and those involved, it's probably going to be about a year because um, just, again, all the infrastructure needs, trying to figure out how you get power, how you get water, the solutions are not uh, simple. And just the structure 
of how you do it. We're working very closely with Rogue Retreat down in Medford, which has an exceptional model of how you do these villages. Imagine the same way if you're opening up a retail business, you want to know it inside and out before you hit the go button to make sure that it's sustainable and can last. So this, so the, so the point is, this winter, right, the winter shelters you're going to be in to open up over the next week or so, and that's going to be the respite right now for cold weather for a certain number of folks. I'll just keep going. Bethlehem Inn is planning to open in Redmond December 1st. That's their target date and have 29 beds for high barrier. That means that you have to basically be clean and sober to be there. Shepherd's House, they're hoping for next spring to open up their Redmond facility. It might take a little bit longer, and they're doing a multimillion-dollar fundraising campaign. That's going to be low barrier, so it's going to be able to catch a number of people between the high barrier and the low barrier to give people alternatives to having to be out in you know, the sage and the juniper in, in situations that are, are, are not safe. And just to be clear, low barrier means that they don't have to pass any sobriety tests coming into the facility, but they cannot use drugs or alcohol at the facility, correct? Correct. correct. Okay. Okay. So a hot topic when we last spoke was the 4th of July parade where a Confederate flag was displayed. Redmond has another parade coming up tomorrow, the annual Veterans Day Parade. What precautions, if any, are being taken to keep this parade uncontroversial if we can? So I just want to be clear so everyone, all the listeners understand, right? These parades, the Veterans Parade, the Boyd's uh, July Parade, the Winter Parade that's after Thanksgiving, these are parades that are put on by entities that are not the city. The chamber oversees the 4th of July Parade and the Starlight Parade, and they've got a policy in place now that was discussed last night that basically said, you know, no political symbols allowed. And if you do decide to unfurl a flag in the middle of the parade, right, they've got to figure out how to ask them to leave the parade without escalating the situation. So we're hoping people are actually respectful and not selfish, carrying forth their own individual message that doesn't align with the purpose of the parade. With the Veterans Day Parade tomorrow, that's put on by the VFW, which has, um, you know, they'll kind of be doing their own thing. Um, they don't have a, I don't know if they have a policy. So again, this is an event where they're using city streets, but it's not a city event. Actually, I called the VFW last night and they do not have any kind of guidelines for the parade. So it should be interesting. Lastly, let's, let's go on to something fun. Uh, Quartz Park, what's happening there? Yeah, so Quartz Park is going to be one of our newest parks. It'll be at the south end of Dry Canyon. And the idea is to get it constructed next summer. The design is pretty much done. It's around two and a half, three million dollars, and it'll create another active space uh, mixed with natural trails that uh, will provide bocce ball and playgrounds and all the kinds of things that families and kids and individuals like doing at a built park. And just when you look at, you know, the growing population and the demand and the use we're seeing in our parks. It's going to be great because down there, there aren't a ton of developed parks. So we're filling a gap that's a little bit of a, a park desert, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, hopefully by next summer, end of the summer, Redmonders will have a new park to enjoy. Not exactly a park, but last year the ice skating rink was closed due to COVID. Will it be open this year? Yeah, it'll be open this year. Um, and whatever kinds of uh, health requirements are in place will will apply to it, uh, whether it means limited skaters. But, no, people are going to be able to throw on their skates, and uh, try their best uh, at uh, Nancy Kerrigan 
on the ice. Just as long as it's not Tanya Harding. <laughs>